You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are standing by to take your home improvement questions at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Take a look around your house, pick a project, then pick up the phone and call us and we will help you get it done. 888-666-3974. We've got a great show planned for you to give you some ideas, perhaps inspire you with a project or two this weekend. First up, as summer rolls to a close, the temperature changes just ahead mean that we're going to see some more storms. You know, whenever the temperature drops like that, and you've seen some pretty bad thunder bumpers already this summer, um, it means that we're going to get more storms that come, and especially as we move into the fall. So we're going to spend a little time this hour talking to you about how you can examine your house post-storm to spot any potential problems, get them fixed quick before big leaks set in or the roof starts to rot away. If you catch it early, you can fix it and be done with it, and we're going to tell you how. All right. And also ahead, you know, it's the time of year that your kids are heading back to school. Now, this can turn into a storage issue at home because you're getting study tools and works of art and, you know, pretty much everything that your child gets their hands on is coming home with them on their way home from school. So we're going to give you some organization ideas to kind of keep everything in check. And, you know, the smaller they are, the bigger the project is that they bring home. Same thing with the toys and the stuff. I forgot everything about how big the baby stuff is. I had it all put away for so long. Everything is gigantic. And whether you're happy about the cooler temperatures that are on the way or sorry to see the summer come to an end, if you've got a pool, it's time to close it up. That's an annual rite of passage into fall. So we're going to give you some tips on how you can close it safely so you can enjoy it next season. And also ahead this hour, one caller who makes it on the air with us is going to get a little bit cooler. I know we're nearing the end of summer, but it has been a hot one. So we're giving away a ceiling fan from Kishler Lighting, and it's valued up to 500 bucks. That's a great prize. Yeah, you get to pick the one you want, but you got to pick up the phone and call us first at 888 Pit with your home improvement question. So think of a good question, pick up the phone and call us, and we will toss your name in the Money Pit hard hat and might select you as the winner of that great new ceiling fan from Kirschler. But right now it's time to get to the phones. 888 Pit is that number. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Helen in Indiana is on the line with a driveway ceiling question. How can we help you today? I have a asphalt driveway that when I purchased the home had some cracks in it, but it's gotten worse, and I now have a pothole. (laughs) (laughs) And it's officially grown to be in a pothole, huh? Yeah, that's what happens in the Midwest. (laughs) All right. I've had some estimates, and they're way out of my budget. So what can I do 
to prolong the life and make it look a lot better. So there's lots of stuff that you can do yourself. First of all, you do need to patch that hole. And at your local home center, you can find black tub patch. It comes in a bucket, either a small like one gallon bucket or something even as big as a five gallon bucket where it has uh, some stone in it and it has the blacktop material and it's usually latex-based these days too, which is good news. And you simply clean out the hole that you're trying to fill. You trowel in the new stuff, you tamp it down, and you can do that with a board or something like that or if you don't happen to have a tamping iron. And then once you have the holes filled, then you want to work on the cracks. And as far as the cracks are concerned, uh, the driveway sealers and crack fillers, there are some that come in actually caulking-like tubes that you can use to sort of roll into those cracks. So you seal those all up. And then the last thing you do is to apply the asphalt sealer. And that comes in five-gallon buckets. And you buy uh, an application tool for it. It's kind of like a big squeegee. You start at one end, and you squeegee it on, work down towards the other, and you're done. So it's totally a do-it-yourself project. The best time to do this is when the weather gets to be around 50 degrees or so on average. You don't want to do it when it's really hot out because it's a difficult like job. Now. <laughs> yeah, like now. It doesn't dry that well. So you wait for slightly cooler weather, and you can totally reseal that yourself. And then once you get all the cracks filled and the sealer on, then next year maybe you just do another coat of sealer, and it'll be really easy. So it's a three-step process. Pretty much patch the holes, patch the cracks, apply the sealer. That's it. I think that's something I can do. You can. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Robert in Florida needs some help staining cabinets. Tell us what you're working on. I had bought some cabinets, kitchen cabinets, from uh, one of the major uh, hardware stores. Okay. And they are natural wood, oak face, and I'm, I'm looking to stain them like a mahogany color, the mm-hmm. dark red. Right. And I've tried it on, like, the Minwax or whatever uh, stain. I've tried that on the on a spare piece, and it doesn't come out the way I want. Okay. It doesn't. It doesn't absorb the color or something. It's like a brown color instead of instead of the red mahogany okay. type. You know, the color is going to depend on the on the species of wood. So, uh, what they might call a mahogany stain is going to look different on oak versus birch uh, versus um, you know pine. So, what you want to do is. What I would do is I'm trying to get just the right color is I would buy those the tiny cans of Minwax and I would buy two or three that are closest to the color. I would try them on and also pick up some oak. So you can buy a piece of oak trim or something like that from the home right. side that you can you can play with. I would put it on, let it dry, and then, and this is an important step, put a clear finish on top of it because it looks very different when the finish is over it than when just the stain color is there. Oh, for one. Once you put the the seal on it? Correct. Well, the finish. So I would get a small, like I said, two or three cans of the different colors that you're considering just to test it out. Buy some oak. Go ahead and stain them up. And then put a couple of clear coats of urethane on top. Satin urethane so you don't have a lot of sheen to it. All right. I, I, don't, I don't want the shiny. All right. I've done two, three, four coats of stain. You know, you wipe it off. You put the clear coat on it and everything it's just it's just not right it doesn't keep that that deep rich color well typically you don't put three or four coats of stain on it if it, it sounds to me like you're just not finding the right color so maybe we need to go to a different manufacturer until we can find the the color that you're looking for if, if minwax is right. doing it for you right so i want it to look professional i don't want it to look like i did it in my garage but of course i'm 
I am. But. You are doing it in your garage. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not finding the color that you want that's available off the shelf with the Minwax products, what you could do is you could use a tintable stain. So, for example, Sherwin-Williams. Do you have a Sherwin-Williams store near you? I would have to look it up. They have a line of stains called Wood Classics. These are oil stains. Uh-huh. But the difference is that they mix them for you right in the store. So you can go into the store and you can bring one of your doors and show them the color you're trying to get to and they and they can work with you to mix up exactly the right color so you don't have to really you know find one off the shelf they'll mix up pretty much anything that you need that's what i'm looking for all right well good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit you are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can pick up the phone and give us a call with your home improvement, home repair, home decor, whatever you are working on. We've got a few key days left until the end of the summer season. I know, I'm not looking forward to Labor Day. I hate that summer's coming to an end, but I am looking forward to back to school. Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> so give us a call. We'd love to help you fill up your ample spare time as summer's coming to an end with your home improvement project. 888-666-3974. And if that project involves closing your pool for the year, we're going to have some tips on how you can do that safely so you can enjoy that pool for another season yet again. That's all coming up after this. Hey, this is Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs, and I've just been told that Tom and Leslie might have a dirtier job than me. I find that hard to believe, but then I heard they work in a pit. That's a money pit, but still filthy. money pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, you want to be a cool guy? I'm not talking about being a cool guy. I'm talking about being cool temperature-wise. I mean, man, are you guys just having the hottest summer ever? Well, pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. Not only are you going to get help with your home improvement question, but you could be the caller that's selected to win a great ceiling fan from Kishler Lighting. Now, Kishler makes fans that use 70% less electricity, and one winner that we choose is going to be able to select any fan worth up to 500 bucks. And they've got a huge selection of indoor and outdoor styles. You can really pick something very cool. Check out their website. It's Kishler, K-I-C-H-L-E-R.com. You can look at the fans there start thinking about your home improvement question but pick up the phone and give us a call at 888 money pit 888-666-3974 jim in california needs help with a decking project what can we do for you today i've got two decks that uh rebuilt approximately uh three summers ago and uh, had never treated them did a real nice job miter corners rounded everything uh, routed everything and and of course uh not treating them, they have weathered, and uh, I need to clean them. Okay, and so your issue is you're seeing some wear and tear, but the big problem is discoloration. Yes, the oxidization. Mm-hmm. So everything looks a little gray and just weathered. Right. Now, with the discoloration, I mean, that's normal wear and tear of any type of wood surface. And if you were to just, say, put a sealer on there, yes, you're going to protect the wood from any further cracking or checking. And you may help it, you know, depending on the kind that you use, from further damage from, say, the sun. But if you want the color 
to be really what you restore, you're going to have to go with a stain that has a color in it. So depending on the condition of that decking, you know, you can go with a semi-transparent, which will deposit color on, but still allow you to see the condition of the wood through it, you know, through the stain itself. Um, or you can go with a solid stain, which gives you a little bit of longer time between having to refinish it, gives you more protection because it is a further saturation of color and a heavier pigmentation of color. So it really depends on what kind of look you want and really the condition of the wood itself. Yeah, so my wife wants me to bring the color back. That color's long gone, my friend. <laughs> you, you, you can't bring it back once it grays out like that, but you can restore it if you stain it like Leslie suggested, and you can use semi-transparent or solid color, and it will look really good, and you'll still see the grain, so you're not going to lose the grain of the wood, but once it turns gray like that, you're not going to be able to restore it, I mean, unless you sand it, and that's really pretty much a waste of effort. Well, the hot rays of our summer sun are about to bid adieu to 2012. While you might be sad about it, you may even be cheering the end of a long, hot summer. I know I am. It has just been awful. Either way, you need to take steps now to make sure that you're going to enjoy the summer of 2013. And that goes especially for those of you who've got a backyard pool. Now, to protect your pool for the cold months ahead, you need to close it properly. So starting about a week before you do this project, you want to adjust your water balance to a pH level between 7.2 and 7.6. You also want to set the alkaline between about 80 and 120 and the calcium between 180 and 220. And then shock your pool with one pound of chlorine per 10,000 gallons. Mm -hmm. Now that, I know it all sounds kind of technical, and here's where people kind of start to make mistakes. With your chlorine level, when you're done with all of this shocking, you want to allow the chlorine level to return to one to three before you go ahead and add any winter algicide. Now, chlorine tends to break down both the algicide and your floating pool covers, so you got to let it get back to that number, otherwise you're going to see some issues. If you want to know more about how to winterize your pool's plumbing system and how to store all the equipment that goes along with owning a pool, log on to our website at moneypit.com and we'll help you out with this big project. It is kind of an undertaking, but... You know, you get to enjoy it every day all summer, so you can deal with it. So check out our website at moneypit.com. We'll help you out there. Now, if you've got a summer project that still needs to get done, pick up the phone and call us right now, and we will help you. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT. Hugh in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Uh, just finished up a uh, job of replacing a bunch of uh, water pipes, and we had to cut a whole pile of holes in the ceiling and the walls and so on to have access. And so we got a bunch of sheetrock work to do, and I was wanting to get a recommendation on what the best tools to get, in other words, how the best way to cut it is, whether a knife or a handsaw or some sort of jigsaw or uh, a toothless saw or whatever, and uh, other basic tools that would be needed to do a good job on replacing the sheetrock. Oh, Hugh, I can sympathize with you completely on this. You just did this project. We just did this in my basement, which is also my home design office and the playroom for my family. And there were holes everywhere in the ceiling and walls. Then we had another leak. We had to make more holes. It was really exciting. And so I'm completely with you on this project. Now, 
and the areas where you've actually made holes to get to the pipes that you've now repaired. Um, did you happen to cut the drywall open to a point where you've exposed the studs on either side so that when you go to make a patch, you have something to attach to? Uh, a bunch of them, yes. And uh, we, we tried to kind of split the two by four where uh, the, the new piece will be approximately three-fourths of an inch on the, you know, two-by-four. Some mm-hmm. of it, though, uh, there, well, all of it, we have at least an exposed two-by-four on one side or another to nail to, but we may have to scab on a two-by-four or something like that. Or uh, uh, I, I, I guess don't they make some sort of a metal deal where you can put it in there and it helps to hook uh, the old... Uh, sheetrock to the mm-hmm. new sheetrock without having to have a two-by-four behind it or something. Well, I mean, there's a couple of ways to do this. How big are the holes? Are there any small holes, or are these all big holes? Uh, it ranges from probably a one-foot by two-foot all the way up to, well, one big chunk of one wall, which is about 15-foot. Okay. So these are pretty big pieces, so then you're going to need to support them with some structure. Yeah. So. Sometimes it makes sense to open up the hole until you get to the middle of the adjoining joist or or stud, depending on whether it's a wall or a ceiling, so that you can kind of go halfway down. So don't feel like you're causing more destruction by doing that. Frankly, it's going to come out better if you can open open this up until the piece will actually split across the floor joist. And once you have that edge exposed, then you can simply attach the piece to it. I would use drywall screws for that. Now, the art of this is in the patch. And so the first step is to lightly sand the area because if, especially if you have old wall there, it might have some debris on it. So just lightly touch that up. And then you use a fiberglass tape across the seam. Fiberglass is very forgiving because it's perforated and you can put that on first and then put the spackle over that and it'll press through it. If you use paper tape, you have to put spackle on first and then the paper tape over that and hope you got out all the air bubbles. So use the fiberglass tape. And then you want to use three successive layers of spackle. You want to start small with a smaller knife, like about a four-inch uh, tape knife. And then you go to a six-inch knife and then a like eight to ten-inch knife. So everyone gets a little bit wider. And because you don't do this all the, all the time, you're going to probably end up sanding in between. And so that's really the, the process. And then once you're done with the patching, then you're going to want to prime the entire room, all the affected walls and ceilings, and then paint it. And because you're not a pro, I would definitely use a flat paint because if there's any imperfections, it, it just won't show up as badly as it could. Okay. Now, one thing that bothered me was uh, sheetrock is beveled on the edges. And uh, I guess I, ideally, if I could go back to where the bevel is on uh, sheetrock and then put a bevel piece in so that you can fill it and all that. But is, is that is it, would I be better off to go ahead and take some big chunks out or bigger chunks than what I've got so that we can get back to that, or can no. you usually smooth it out no, enough? To not necessary. So, I, I wouldn't worry about the beveled edge. The beveled edge is very ha- helpful when you're doing whole sheets, mm-hmm. and it's going to go under the tape anyway. If you're right using when it. you're doing a patch, I would I would specifically actually not use a beveled edge when I'm doing a patch. There's really no reason to. 
Okay. I find it easier, even if I had one beveled edge against one thick edge, I find that more difficult to, to spackle to because it's not even, it's not flat. Mm-hmm. So I would not worry okay. about the beveled edge unless you're doing full sheets. All right. I surely do appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, you may know how to weather a storm, but do you know what to look for after the storm to see if your home weathered it as well? We're going to tell you what to look out for after this. On the Money Pit Radio Show. The Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where home solutions live. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you know, more than one half of the country is in a serious drought situation right now, which makes it a good time to think about ways for you to be more water efficient. So, for example, you could add a rainwater collecting system to help you feed your garden, or you could plan on switching to like a drought-resistant grass this fall. These are all projects that can help, but if you want more water conservation ideas, head on over to our website at moneypit.com. Lawrence in California is on the line with a snow and a roofing question. And calling from California about snow? What's going on, Lawrence? Well, I live about 3,000 feet up in the Sierras. Ah, ah and that explains nice. your snow. Okay. Oh, yeah, we do get snow, and I got rain gutter problems. All right, so what's going on? Well, I got a metal roof on my house, and, of course, okay. it snows a foot or two of snow, and the snow slides off the metal roof. And when it does that, it takes my rain gutters with it. Is there a a solution to that? Yeah, there is. A couple of things. First of all, how are your rain gutters attached? Are they attached with uh, spikes? Uh, Yes. Okay. So what you want to do is there are uh, screws that you can use. They usually have Allen heads that you can replace the gutter spikes with and the ferrules, the tubes. And... Those are a much more permanent connection, which will totally secure mm-hmm. the rain guard to the fascia. Out. And the second thing you might want to do is, is add some snow guards. Mm-hmm. And those are simply, I mean, they're not, they're kind of act like a clip, but they run, you know, parallel to your roof's edge, you know, a, a little bit more up the roof and usually do one or two rows of them, depending on the height, slope, size of your roof. And these act as little stoppers. So as the snow slides down, it doesn't go beyond that little lip. And there's actually a great website dedicated specifically to metal roofing needs, and it's metalroofsnowguards.com. And they're fairly easy to install, and and they really do stop that problem. I'll definitely look on the uh, computer there, see if I can get something that uh, resembles snow guards and and go from there, I guess. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you so much. Have a good day. 
Well, if you've ever had a major storm hit your house, you know that a home, which is generally safe, sound, secure, and dry, can quickly turn into a leaking mess. That's right. And it's especially true when wind gets behind all of that water and the rules of gravity no longer apply. That's why after a storm passes, it's really important to give your house a careful inspection. To show us how, we turn now to Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, obvious storm damage, like a broken window, that's easy to spot. But if you don't look closely, little problems could be missed and develop into big repair bills down the line, right? Well, it's true. And when wind and water are working together, they can really do some significant damage to your house, both structurally and to the mechanical equipment. So you want to check out for them. And actually, you want to do it quickly because time is your friend here. So let's talk about wind damage. Uh, High winds can rip through exterior walls. They can tear shingles off your house. Good idea to check for that kind of exterior damage first. Yeah, absolutely. You want to do a visual inspection of the house, walking all the way around it, looking at the claps or the shingles. Um, There are places that you might not easily be able to see with with your eyes. So get out a pair of binoculars or a telephoto lens and look up at that roof to make sure that the shingles are still on or none of the trim boards have been ripped off by the wind. Give it a good look. Now, with Hurricane Irene and a lot of the crazy storms that we experienced in unusual parts of the country this year, we've seen a lot of flooded basements and therefore flooded fixtures. You know, what do you do when you've had a lot of water in the basement and it's gotten to your outlets and any of your major appliances? Well, unfortunately, um, electrical fixtures that get really wet or submerged, they've got to go. You know, there could be some serious damage caused to those fixtures. um, So you want to have those things replaced. And in terms of the flooded basements, you know, water on the outside of your house's foundation can actually build up quite a bit of pressure. um, And it can cause those foundations to crack. It can force its way in through those concrete foundations. So you want to do a visual inspection outside and in of those foundations to see if there are any new cracks there or any ways uh, that the foundation has started to fail. Now, speaking of flooded basements and flooded crawl spaces, we've seen floods in those places that really, you could have owned the house for 20 years and it never, ever flooded. No reason to panic, though, just because it happened after one major storm. No, absolutely not, because, you know, the basement can actually be cleaned out. So you want to get in there. Obviously, you want to get all of the water out and dry it out, and you want to remove the damaged belongings from that basement. And then you want to go back and you want to check it, right? You want to make sure that you don't have any new cracks where the water can return. And also, think about where the water is coming coming from. Sure, it's raining or flooding, but it's also coming off your roof. So check those gutters, get the water away from the house. And I imagine with a flooded basement, you know, especially if insurance has to become involved, you want to take some pictures of things that were damaged, document everything so you really have a good catalog of what's, you know, been destroyed, if you will. Absolutely. Call the insurance company early. Take those pictures. You really shouldn't do too much work to the house other than securing it, stopping any problems that might cause it to get worse. So plug the leaks, um, but don't start tearing apart your basement until the insurance company has showed up and done their inspection. We're talking to Kevin O'Connor. He's the host of TV's This Old house about how to check your house after a storm. Now, Kevin, when it comes to cleaning up after that water recedes, good idea to use a good quality disinfectant? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, in borax um, with some water, uh, some hot water and some elbow grease is going to do a good job of cleaning that stuff up. And also keep in mind, you know, if you're going to, if you're worried about mold, well, mold needs water to grow. And so you want to dry out those areas, pump the water out and then use a dehumidifier, um, get some good circulation or even a heat lamp to dry out those materials so that mold doesn't grow and do it quickly. What about power failures? I mean, we've seen just an astronomical amount of power outages and ones that last a long, long time due to so many storms this past year. What can we do to be better prepared, you know, in advance of 
this, you know, event that could cause a power outage. We love a standby generator. We've installed a couple of these on Ask This Old House. And basically the idea is there are a lot of generators out there, but many of them are portable and you pour some gasoline into them and they run for a couple hours. A standby generator is actually installed near or around your house. It is tied right into the natural gas line. It'll check itself weekly to make sure that it's running properly. And if and when the power goes out, it kicks on, burns that natural gas to make electricity, and it will feed the critical circuits in your house um, pretty much for as long as the blackout lasts. And so it's a great way, a great preventative way to make sure you've got power during and after a storm. Good advice. And one final damage. Insurance is what we pay for to cover us for storm damage. Important to uh, get that claim documented in as quickly as possible, though, right? Absolutely. You know, as Leslie said, get those pictures taken, make some notes, make that phone call to them very quickly. And again, don't do too much work. You know, the work you should be doing is just to stop the problems, to stop the leak, get the inspector out there from your insurance company and let him make some decisions and work with them. Good advice. Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. It's my pleasure to be here. And you can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and some step-by-step videos and more projects you can do at your home and a lot of great informative articles on home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you by Home Depot. More savings, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. Up next, it's back to school time, and that can add up to a storage problem as your little Einsteins bring home all the schoolwork and the artwork and all the big projects. So we're going to have some storage tips that will make for a neater study center next. The Money Pit is presented by Bathfitter, the one-day bathroom remodeling company. Call 866-654-BATH today for your free in-home estimate or visit www.bathfitter.com. Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now. We want to talk with you about your project, your do-it-yourself dilemma. If you need to do a project to turn your place from house to home to castle, or if your castle has a leaking dungeon, we can help you with that, too, at 888-666-3974. And as an added incentive to pick up the phone and call us, one lucky caller this hour is going to win a ceiling fan from Kishler Lighting, These fans are beautiful. They come in a wide variety of sizes and styles, so there's no doubt you can find one to match your needs. The Kishler folks will let you, the winner, pick it out. They will ship it to your house. They've also got a huge selection of Energy Star fans, so they're going to save you some energy as they keep you cool as well. So if you'd like to win it, you've got to be in it by picking up the phone and calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, if you've got school-aged children, you know how much homework they've got these days. I mean, they're starting these kids with homework in kindergarten, which is just crazy, That's I good think. practice. Oh, they're so little. Come on. Do they have to have a whole day? <laughs> well, you guys can actually help your little scholars with all of that work by giving them a great designated and organized study space. And then they'll actually do it. Maybe they won't bother you so much to have help them <laughs> with it. Well, that's why you want to give your student a place that he or she can claim as sort of their own workspace. Now, it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, just a bedroom corner or a dining room table. But that specific place can help the student build a study routine. It also should be free of clutter. It should did not have uh, distractions like today when I noticed that my daughter had two hours to study and she had the television on and the tray table in front of the couch with her school books. I'm like, no, not happening. (laughs) 
It doesn't mix. Turn the TV off. So it's got to be free of those types of distractions. It's also a good idea to get some drawers and storage bins or a filing cabinet to keep organized and to label those containers with your child's name on those bins so that gives them a sort of a sense of, of ownership, especially with the, with the younger kids. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's also the challenge that grows throughout the school year about what exactly you should do with all of that artwork and the, you know, the tests with the smiley faces on it and the science projects that your child is going to bring home. Well, one way to deal with that is actually to take pictures. This way, you've got those memories preserved, but you're not taking up all of that precious storage space, which we're all short on, let's be honest. So, you know, tell your kids you're keeping it filed away somewhere, but you can toss it. <laughs> it's a completely awesome idea because, you know, my kids, when they were younger, they used to go to science camp. and Or no, they went to inventor's camp every mm-hmm. summer. And so at inventor's camp, you would always send them with like a, an appliance that you were throwing away, like uh, an old food processor or an old printer or something like that. And they would take the thing apart and they would recreate something with it, right? Of course, nothing that works. Kind of more like, more like sculpture. But they right. come back with these enormous robots and things that they made out of the printer they took apart. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this? And it's kind of like... I'd let it sit there for a couple of weeks and then I'd have to like break the news to them like, sorry, we got to throw your robot away. So the idea of like taking the picture and preserving it, that's huge. Love it. So if you've got some great ideas, we'd love to hear from you as well. You can visit our website at moneypit.com and post them in the community section. Jim in Minnesota's on the line. He's got a question about roofing. How can we help you with your project? Yeah, I have a 28 by 40 building with a uh, average uh, roof pitch. And the shingles need replacing. Okay. Should I put uh, tin on the roof boards? Or I hear that uh, we should put uh, boards that run horizontally uh, on the roof boards, then nail the tin on top of the these horizontal boards. All right, so first of all, Jim, you have asphalt shingles on there right now? Yes. Are you planning on removing those shingles? Absolutely. All right, good. So once you remove them, then I think you can put the tin right on top of the sheathing. I'm assuming you have sheathing there. If you don't have sheathing, then you would have to have strip uh, sheathing put on those strips that you're talking about, those furring strips. Yeah, you would have to add those. But if you have standard sheathing, I think you can put the uh, metal roof right on top of that. And it's a good project to do. You know, those metal roofs really do last indefinitely. And the coatings that are on the metal roofs today um, are reflective of the heat in the summer. So it keeps the buildings cold, uh, cooler as well. So good project. Does that help you out? Yes. All right. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, with the warm weather, have you guys had any problems with little furry visitors? You know, they like central air conditioning too, you guys. <laughs> we are going to have some tips on how you can get rid of those rodents after this. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, do you have some home improvement projects lined up for fall when the temperature moves out of the triple digits? We want to hear about them. So log on to our community section and tell us at moneypit.com. You can also ask advice before you get started or just get some encouragement from your fellow DIYers. So jump on the website and do share. You can't overshare on moneypit.com. No, no, no. All submissions are welcome. So speaking of sharing, Jake in Ohio 
shared a rodent problem that he'd some help with. All right, Jake from Ohio writes, we've had a mouse issue that I'm sure we'll pick up again once the weather cools off. A rodent removal company told me killing them isn't enough. More will just come in. They say it's better to keep them out to begin with. Is that true? And if so, can I do it myself? Well, I would hate to keep murdering mice. I'd love to like seal up the holes and make it so that they can't get in. <laughs> Never thought of it that way, but okay. Yeah, I mean, it is true, Jake. And yes, you can do it yourself. So there's kind of like uh, several steps involved here. First, if you've got a significant infestation, you do need to exterminate to get rid of it. And that might be something that you might want to have the pros help you with, only because you know they've got all the tools and they can kind of get rid of them pretty quickly. But once you are reasonably sure that you've cut down that population that's taking root in your house, you do want to eliminate the access points. So those are the nesting areas. Those are the small holes where the rodents can get in. Uh, those are areas like firewood piles, for example, that are too close to the house or trash cans that are close to the and house. And can they fit in through a, like a hole the size of a dime? Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, the size of a dime, size of a quarter, they can squeeze in. So make sure that you've got places like that sealed up, especially like where plumbing pipes go mm -hmm. through the walls and any of those small spots. Now, the other thing does it make it less attractive once they're inside your house. So how do you do that? Well, you don't leave food in a place where they can get it. And don't leave pet food out overnight. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to suggest, actually, because, you know, you wouldn't leave, you know, your groceries on the floor, but you might leave a bag of pet food on the floor. And guess what? Those mice will chew right through it and have like a lifetime supply of food because they're kind of taking it one kernel at a time out of the oh, back of like the pet food bag, away. right? Yeah, exactly. So things like that. Be mindful of that. Uh, if you do have a pantry with, uh, you know, anything that's in a box uh, or a bag, seal it up, you know, put it in a tin Put it in a Tupperware container, that sort of thing. Don't make it easy for the mice to find food in your house. And then for ongoing prevention, I would put out bait packets. I've always used those. I think they work well. You want to use those in areas that the pets can't get to. So, for example, I toss a couple of bait packets behind the refrigerator, behind the range, places like that. Also, uh, in the basement or in the crawl space, up on top of the foundation wall. So that ledge of the of the foundation blo block mm -hmm. wall, for example, uh, the mice will use that as their highway. And so getting the bait packets up there is a good place. How often are you uh, checking them? them? Well. Are you waiting until you smell something funky? Nah. They, well, you know, the thing is, that's a kind of a myth that they die in the house. Generally, they go outside. So I wouldn't worry about them uh, causing an odor problem. But when do I check it? When I think about it, every few months if I'm down there, I might take a peek to see if I've got one or not. But I think that's the best way uh, long term because you don't have to worry about changing out bait and traps and that sort of thing. So that's, that's what you need to do, Jake. Step by step, you can get rid of these rodents once and for all. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air, online, moneypit.com, the number 247-1888-MONEYPIT. Thanks so much for spending this hour with us. The show does continue online at moneypit.com. And if you've got questions any time of the day or the night, you can reach out to us there or by calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. We hope we've given you a couple of good ideas, a little inspiration to get out and take on a project to turn your money pit into the house that you always have dreamed it can be. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 